2: from Blue Wire Studios today, so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined by my co-host Nick Filato. Today we got a little bit to break down, a little bit different. We're going to continue on with our positional breakdown series. We're going to do the entire secondary, which was honestly the position groups that were most exciting to me because there's a lot of young talent, there's a lot of new faces and players, not just this offseason, but from the last couple offseasons, and there's a lot of upside, I think, there. And also, to me, it's becoming arguably the most important position group on the defense. We can talk about that more later, but again, I'm in the camp of the new analytics, which say, given the fact that quarterbacks are getting rid of the football in under two and a half seconds almost every offensive system it's a lot more important to have good man coverage and it is to have a pass rush but we'll dive into more of that we're going to update you on some giants developments because there finally has been some news on the giants front in training camp outside of training camp i mean whatever we want to call this start to training camp we're in august normally we would have had a few practices already we've had none of that we've had no coverage yet on any of that so but there's still been some news so we're going to dive into all that before we do that i wanted to give a little shout out to nick what's
3: going on man how's life Ah, life's life Dan you know I'm just kind of chilling waiting to hopefully see some practices and see how the NFL season materializes paying attention to the other sports to be honest the NHL just started up the MLB is uh on some shaky ground as of right now we'll see what happens there and then we have the NBA playoffs which is uh, or about to ensue but you have the last regular season games and it's fun to just bet on them and watch them and kind of just enjoy sports because it's Back in March, I had no idea when they were going to be back, so it's good that we actually have some here in August.
1: Yeah, it is really good to have live sports back. I'm got I got to be honest with you. Been pounding NBA games, MLB. I'm getting into that. I mean, as far as I can go. I mean, first of all, whew, my Mets. This is just one of the most disastrous starts, and. That says a lot, by the way. A disastrous start to a Mets season. If I'm saying this is one of the most disastrous starts I can remember, they just dropped to 3-7 and seven after today's loss. Some of these losses have just been devastating today. Ioannis Cespedes just randomly didn't show up and then opted out of the season. It's a total disaster. But on a positive note, I may have drafted the single best fantasy baseball team of my entire life in my uh, big Big Friends League um right now i'm it's a roto league i have 87 points i'm almost maxed out tens across the board is 10 team league and i have 87 points 10 category 10 team 87 and i have 100 points the next place is 81 but then after that 57 points for third place so of course the season's probably going to get canceled on monday uh, with another outbreak with the st louis cardinals but you know what i'm letting it ride for now and i'm enjoying it i gotta ask you who's on this team do you have any yankees so this was one hell of a draft One hell of a draft, I got Shane Bieber for starters. That's unreal. Jacob DeGrom and Shane Bieber as my one-two pitcher. Shane bieber in the best pitcher in baseball. Then I landed Yu Darvish. Had a shaky first outing, then he was dominant. Kenta Maeda, been dominant across the board, both both outings. So those are my big four starters. And then after that, I still have Zach Gallen, who's been really, really good. And then in addition to that, I drafted Nick Castellanos, who just hit another two bombs today. He's basically been the best hitter in baseball so far, if you really look at it. And then in addition
3: to Castellanos, I have tons of great talent across the board. Is, this is literally the best i've ever drafted Uh, i love when i have leagues like that i had a baseball league like that a couple years ago where i literally had almost every single player that won a major award it was literally one of the best teams i ever assembled got bounced in the first round yep so usually that's the thing usually we do the head-to-head
1: with the playoffs because it's more fun this is roto for we went back to roto for the first time because of COVID. And you know what? I'm liking it so far, obviously, because I'm doing well. But, I mean, I'm a
3: big fan of Roto to be... I'm a big fan yeah. of Roto in basketball as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. For fantasy football, which we'll talk about at some point on our pod, I'm i I've been running a league for 13 years. I've been commissioner of a really deep, really competitive keeper auction league. And... We award and always have awarded 50% of the prize pool to points winners, and we are strong believers that points are the true winners. We're not going to be that league that dumps all 100% of the pot into the playoffs because we know how luck-based week 14 through 16 is and then gives nothing to those guys who earned it during the regular season. We're also not the league that's going to give all the money to whoever finished first in the standings because that's also luck-based based on the scheduling as well, so... We are big believers in points, and that kind of goes along with the
3: Roto line. I do the same exact thing in my league, and especially, you know, I really wanted to put an emphasis on it when one year I didn't make the playoffs, but I led the league by like 250 <laughs> points. That's it's the worst, most devastating thing in the
1: world. See that that happens sometimes. So you know what? Got it. Got to let it go. But listen, let's talk some Giants football. So let's catch up on the news first. We'll start with the big one, and that was incumbent starting left tackle Nate Solder opting out of the season. I don't think this should have come as much of a surprise i was a bit surprised by this just because i didn't really read anything that had it was going to happen or anything but it really shouldn't come as a surprise given the health situation with his son it's an obvious choice he should really be sitting out the season that that goes without saying but it throws a wrench in a lot of what i was expecting because we talked about it on the tackle podcast we expected there to be a kind of three-man competition really with Solder, with cam fleming i won't say cam meredith for the 17th time <laughs> with cam fleming And with Andrew Thomas, and we didn't really know where it would shake out, who would start at what positions, but we knew that they'd all kind of compete. And now you take that player out of the mix, and it takes away depth at the position in the NFL, which we've long talked about as probably the shallowest position in the NFL. It's nearly impossible to find offensive tackle talent. And I think we saw that when the Giants later that week decided to extend Nick Gates. And we'll talk about that a little more in depth, I don't want to dive into that just yet because there's a lot more to talk about with Gates and what that contract means. But with Solder on that front, You know, obviously he had that atrocious season last year. There's no denying it, but he was playing hurt. He had issues at home with with, with the health of his son. And like I've always said, in 2018, he had a really, really good stretch of football that no one talks about in that second half when the offense came together and when Jermon Brown joined that offensive line and they had a really good run game and a pretty good pass game. And he was one of the best run blockers on that team in the second half of 2018. There was still the potential for him to be that again. And now that's kind of gone, and there's a little bit of a depth loss there. What do
3: you make of this this solder loss? I think. Uh, well, first off, I look at it from last year's perspective on the offensive line depth, and now I look at this year, and I'm like, wow, who would have thought? Like the New York Giants. Like I look at our depth chart, and I'm like wow, we actually have some legit options to kind of fill in here. Now, I do think the loss of Solder is going to hurt. And I know a lot of Giants fans look at Nate Soldier's play in 2019 and say it was a huge liability. And technically, they're not really wrong, but you're losing a veteran leader who was the starting left tackle for this team for the last two years. And you don't really have a huge desirable player to fill in if it's not rookie Andrew Thomas. Cause I think Cam Fleming is a really good player, somebody who has left tackle experience. But I don't necessarily know if I want him to be the starting left tackle with Daniel Jones, yeah. a young quarterback in a new system, being that offensive uh being that offensive signal caller, young player, experience even know that Cam Fleming is experienced with Jason Garrett and Mark Colombo right. But I think having Cam Fleming is incredibly important, especially when you look at that right tackle and the fact that you brought up Nick Gates too I mean, I don't think it's—I don't think it's a coincidence that he got this contract right after Nate Solder opts out. Yeah, I think let's dive into that because it's interesting. He
1: gets this contract; it's two years. Originally reported at around ten million, but it's a really six million with a chance to make ten million, yeah. probably based on incentives. And probably now, where do you know? It's interesting. So it comes right after the loss of Solder the, to as he opts out on the season. But is it because the Giants believe he's just this kind of? you know, improving rotational piece for them that could play tackle, or is it because maybe they see him as a potential starting center for them? That's the big question. A lot of Giants fans want to project him as center there. I know Bobby Skinner, friend friend of the show, who does talking giants, is a big has been a big proponent of the start Nick Gates at center experiment. 6'6 about 310 doesn't really project to me as a center, but again Justin Britt has played at that kind of with that kind of frame. But I know you have some reservations about Gates at center And I kind of think he's best fit as even a swing tackle, which again now they kind of need although they do have pert but really they don't want to they don't want to get pert going right away they kind of want to develop him i don't think they want to throw him right into the mix there so what are your thoughts and your reservations with gates potentially being center is it really
3: just the frame or is it something you've seen on tape it's not even necessarily the frame it's more what i've seen on tape and again it's a very small sample size he started guard during that miami dolphins game and you know what he actually had a couple plays especially when he was pulling in space where he was really effective but there were times where he was just ailmated by Christian Wilkins and I brought it up a couple times on the podcast and I don't want to hold it against him too bad but I I would I, I fret a little bit if we go up against if the Giants go up against a team that has a nose tech a zero technique you know a nose yeah. and that guy's 330 pounds and he's really strong at the point of attack the anchor and Nick Gates even a tackle concerned me and that mm. guard he definitely popped up so I, I do have some reservations when it comes to his strength at the point of attack point of attack but does that mean that I think he can't do it no it doesn't mean that I think he can't do it but in the truncated offseason that we always talk about it it makes me feel like I hope the Giants don't kind of force him into that position and then he ends up getting exposed I don't necessarily think that's going to happen under Joe Judge though I think just signing him it does add that rotation or that um rotational versatile offensive lineman that Joe Judge has talked about he wants versatility and Nick Gates has proven that he can play a guard again it wasn't perfect but he held up well and he actually made a couple really nice blocks and I think he's a very solid tackle somebody who against wide rushers I think you saw this a couple times in the jet game and then in the eagle game against wide nine type rushers who have an angle who bull rush they were able to bully him back but his ability to frame blocks and position himself in a way to not allow himself to be off balance was something that he did really well for someone who's an undrafted free agent. So I like him best at tackle, but I, I do I honestly feel like he's going to get a go. And here we have, what, walkthroughs come up, I think, this week, August 3rd, the walkthroughs start with the strength and conditioning. And practices won't really start until next week. But hopefully, if beat writers are going to be allowed in there, we'll get, some, we'll get to see if Shane Lemieux or Nick Gates are taking snaps. Because I, I do have a, more reservations about the fact that Spencer Pulley is the only true center on this roster right now,
1: yeah, Nick, it's interesting, and I really do hope that they do kind of open up these training camp practices to media because I've already spoke with my boss, and he he he's cool with me. He wants me in there, and I would love to go in there. I don't mind. I don't mind the idea. Uh, you know, I'll wear a mask. I'll be safe, and I'd love to get you know back in there because I've been in there a couple for the past couple off seasons before this one and got some really good stories from some really good players. And you just kind of see and understand things a lot better, I think, when you're inside the building watching the practices and watching the players interact. But as far as Gates goes i kind of am right on board with you this and now here's the thing with gates yeah he was undrafted reagent and i get it because his athletic profile didn't pop off the page and despite the fact that he does have a really good tackle frame but it was kind of the athleticism doesn't pop off the page yada yada but if you look at it and you watch the film of him at nebraska he started almost right away there at tackle he put in 20 i think it was like Almost thirty really good strong games for them at tackle on a team that's run first, using a lot of power and gap concepts that we're gonna see. And I know he's not really that he doesn't have that functional play strength we want at the pivot, the center position. Personally, I'm with you. I'm not on the bandwagon. I'm not on the gate center bandwagon. I think the gate center bandwagon kind of started out of this necessity, this dire need for fans to find something at center, and I get it because guess who else doesn't have play strength and functional play strength at the point of attack and who we're worried about going against the freaking. Von Hargraves of the division and the and the Don Terry Pose, Dallas, and, and Fletcher Cox, Eagles, and even Ger- Gerald McCoy, three to I don't even trust him against these type of players. And that's Spencer Pulley. And then after him, is it John Halapio, hasn't been re signed and had a awful season-ending injury towards the end of the year and his jersey numbers are being given away is it Shane Lemieux in a truncated offseason who's never played the position in his life and I know there's videos of Shane Lemieux taking center snaps with Derek Carr out in Vegas but that's not enough folks that's not gonna do it that's not gonna cut it we need somebody who understands the mental side of position let alone has the snapping down and all the technical side of it so I if Gates does get a shot, it's more at a whew, what the hell are they gonna do? But I'm on the camp as far as the center position goes, I'm on the bandwagon of they need they need to be looking actively searching this wire and if a veteran center hits that market or if somebody who hasn't been claimed yet is showing health and hadn't been claimed because there was worries and concerns about his health well then you pick him up you add him to the roster yeah we're not a win now team i get it but it doesn't matter you need to put win now players in front of daniel jones on this offensive line you need to do whatever you can to maximize this line and that's why i like the resigning of gates because i feel like what you said is true he has good technique at the tackle position yeah the guard games weren't exactly there again at times he was just overwhelmed at the point of attack but a tackle you don't see it as much and you see the good footwork and you see somebody who can hold up there on an island and that's what you don't get from all the tackles that have been on this team the bobby Hart, the eric flowers these guys that just weren't ever holding up in that spot. Even Remmers at times, Remmers was. We always talk about Remmers was better than he given than he's given credit for last year. But he had tr- he had trouble there on an island too. And I thought Gates was impressive when at tackle. So for me, I'm thinking Gates is going to be a tackle for this team.
3: Yeah, and I I do happen to agree with you. But I think what you said is important, the necessity part. The Giants are looking at starting him at that center position out of pure necessity, which is really a recipe for disaster. But there's not that many names out there that really jump out at us either. There's guys like Daniel Kilgore. I think Justin Britt is still available. So there's a couple players. But he's injured. Yeah, they're like 33, coming off of injury. But they're smart. Players who played multiple systems, who have worked with young quarterbacks before, and that's there's something to be said for them. Yes. So the Giants can look maybe to. uh, I know Joe Judge came out recently and said that the they're not looking to spend the cap room because I know they got a little bit of cap relief with Nate Solder opting out. It wasn't a lot, but they did get some cap relief from that. So maybe they will actually look, even though Joe Judge was like, "Hey, we're not looking to you know burn through all of our money." But I think they might evaluate through the next week, the next week or two, see if. Maybe any of these guys can possibly play center or see if Spencer Pulley, you know, took a step forward from last year or something like that, which I'm not too, you know, enthused by, by any means, but maybe that's their approach. They have three options that they think are realistic and they can pop, or maybe four if you include Kyle Murphy, and I think we're really stretching right now, but they have four options, and maybe they can see how they do, and then uh, possibly go from there. But it's definitely, that's, I I think if you have a liability at the center position with a young court, I think it's, I think it's a recipe for disaster, Dan. And I'll say this, I want to blame them to an extent,
1: but not really, because it was an incredibly depressed center market. You look at, like, the, who was the team that had to overpay like crazy for a center? I believe it was it might have been the Broncos. The Broncos signed a center in free agency, I think it was. I'm now blanking on his name, I think it wasn't Jansen. He was signed a couple years ago, and that was a good one. Um blanking on who they brought in at center, but they had to pay him big bucks in free agency. Or no, they brought in Glasgow. There was another team that and they and they're gonna I don't think they're gonna play him at center. I think they're gonna move him to guard. But there was another team who brought in a center and had to pay him a lot of money and I'm blanking on it now, but the point is, the point I'm trying to make is this was a very depressed market. Do you see it, Nick? Is it, is it Matt Paradis? For... Yeah, well, Paradis signed, but yeah, yeah Paradis, you know. He who's, was solid, though. Who was solid, but yeah. injured again. Like, the, 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 the center market's extremely depressed, and, like, it's such an important position. That's why I give the Saints kudos for going up and getting Eric McCoy two years ago and then drafting right away Cesar Ruiz, because they know take interior linemen when you can, when you have talent there. But on the flip side, i got to give Dave Gettleman kudos. He doesn't get kudos a lot from anyone watches this team, I'm going to give him kudos for re-signing Nick Gates now because he saw something he liked at Gates. Instead of waiting, he realized that, hey, based on what we've seen with Solder hopping out and us having literally no one at center, we might play Gates a little more than expected this season, and his value might go up. Let's nip this one in the bud. We see a talented guy who's still pretty young, really only undrafted for just... I don't know why he went undrafted. I think he really should have been drafted. at time. Yeah, it's it's the spark yeah. score. It's yeah. the combine, but, you know doesn't matter when you see him on tape he's a tackle he can play the position and I, and I don't know if he will be able to play center I guess we'll find out but he may end up playing regardless more snaps than expected now with the situation going on with Solder obviously opting out with Lapio not coming back so there's positions for him to potentially play this
3: season so I'm, I'm gonna give him credit for that you gotta give credit for Gettleman for a lot of things man I mean like he's not gonna get the credit and he does do some boneheaded stuff but also the Marcus Golden move that was a smart move. Oh, yeah. If Golden signed somewhere, the Giants were going to get him to count against a compensatory pick formula for next year. That's something. And now you got him for, what, $4.6 million on a one-year deal? Steel. It's an absolute steal for a player that had 10 sacks last year. We're talking
1: about a player not only had 10 sacks last year, had an injured season the year before, was playing out of position in a scheme when the Cardinals changed over that didn't fit him in a the system there, mm-hmm. but had 12.5 the year before. So now that's two double-digit sacks season Golden. And we've talked about Golden. A lot of these sacks were scheme-dependent, but guess what? Good news, Giants fans, and this is why I'm super excited about this move bring Golden back. He fits this system too. He's gonna be a good fit in this Graham system, okay? He's gonna be a really good fit in there. It's perfect for him. It's an exact style of player. You look at some of those Patriots edge guys they've tried to use over the years. Golden fits a lot, and a lot of those edge guys are really hustle maker, hustle
3: playmakers anyway, on in that style of defense. Not to mention his mentality too, man. Yeah, like Marcus Golden is literally he puts his heart and soul into the teams that he's playing for, and he even has a good spirit. At least on social media, he does. Coming back to the Giants after the Giants kind of, if I was, if I was. Yeah, they the screwed goal, him over. I <laughs> would feel kind of pissed off right now. I mean, yeah, you're making 4.6 million dollars or whatever it is, but still, like you're looking. A lot of people get paid mad money. The guy bet on, the on himself right and
1: signed a two and a half million dollar contract, then had 10 sacks and had to settle for one year, four and a half million. I'd be pretty pissed too. But you know what? He showed up to camp, and it's really good news for the Giants. Like really, really good news. They needed edge depth, and this is their best edge player from last year. There's no doubt. I know a lot of his sacks again, scheme dependent. We're not as high in him as some others, but he was still, you know. He still made plays, and a lot more plays than the Lorenzo Carter made, or even Shane yeah. Ziminez. He's by far and away the best, uh, most proven player at the position. Most proven player at the position. I mean, I would say my upside-wise, I'm thinking the best could be, um, why am I blanking on his name? The kid what's from, the kid from, no, no, the kid from Green Bay who they brought Upside in, who I love. People. who Kyle Facro yeah. I'm yeah. thinking Kyle Facro can do it, but as far as what's been proven on this team, yeah. He's the
3: guy coming back that's definitely the most proven edge player. Yeah, I mean it's it's exciting. I mean it's exciting to see for sure, man. And we also have some players that are uh, opting out of the season and get put on the COVID list as well. David Sills got put on the COVID list. Damari Scott is another player who opted out of the season. And then the Giants just went out, cut a couple players. Uh, Nate Wozniak ended up retiring. If that's news to anybody, but uh, John Hillman won't be carrying the ball, Dan. I know you're very upset about that.
1: Oh my God, John Hillman, that
3: was. What a disaster going into that Patriots game with him as the start. Like, what was what happened there, Giants? Like, you need to you need to be better than that. Oh, that you can't happen again. You need to be better. And I understand you had Saquon get hurt two weeks before Gallman. that and then you had Gallman go down. But There you, needs to be
1: more depth at the position. Yeah, that's
3: trusting an undrafted rookie free agent yeah. from Rutgers with a rookie quarterback going into the most oh dangerous place in the NFL with the best defense in the NFL.
1: Unbelievable. In other news, by the way, Aldrick Roses released generational leg as once described by Jeff Eagles. I've been on record on this podcast saying I wanted them to bring him back even after a disastrous season because I bet on leg talent. They made the mistake of trading Brandon McManus too early in his career. Unbelievable leg talent has gone on to be a great kicker with the with the Broncos. Made the mistake of moving on from Matt Bryant too early in his career. Unbelievable leg talent went on to be one of the best kickers over the last decade with the Falcons. So, I'm a little worried that might happen with Roses, but clearly he's a mental case. I mean, there's something going on there because yeah. he lost his composure last year. There was weird vibes going on with him all off season, all season I mean. It wasn't just this off-season when this incident happened. So, they cut ties, they signed Chandler Catanzaro. I'm not thrilled with that signing whatsoever. I think he's going to be a liability. I'm hoping and holding out hope that they signed Graham Gano, who was just recently released by the Panthers based on the fact that he was making a lot of money and Joey Sly came in and did really well so their trash can be our treasure Graham Gano has history with Thompson Gahey the special teams coordinator he's a proven kicker he's the guy who nailed that 63 yarder to beat the Giants two years ago that was a disaster of a loss so I'm still holding out hope they sign Graham Gano. That's a
3: big priority for me. I really want them to bring in Gano. And Dave Gettleman, he didn't draft Gano or bring him in, but he did re-sign him. There's a relationship there when D- uh, Dave Gettleman was the general manager down there in Carolina. That's definitely something that I've I wrote about it on Big Blue View. It's something that I also would really like the team to investigate because I mean Chandler Candasaro didn't even play football last year. Neither did Graham Gano, but that's because of injury. So like you said, uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And Aljaz I mean. You know, Again, big leg, but you can't do the things that he did and expect there not to be repercussions. I don't know what it is about the Giants kickers in the last couple of years just making really terrible mistakes off the field, man. Well, I,
1: I don't <laughs> want to get into Josh Brown. But <laughs> I have some strong takes on the Josh Brown situation. To me, that was Mara's worst stand. I know there's a lot of people who blame Mara for a lot of different things. I thought that was his worst stand because there's a lot out there that goes to show that he knew— what was going on with Brown behind closed doors with his wife, and there was an incident at the Pro Bowl when Brown went down to the Pro Bowl, and he batted, in this, you know, for a kicker, for a freaking kicker. I mean, Josh Brown was a somewhat talented, pretty talented kicker, but they, you know, they've had McManus, Brown, Matt Bryan, even Roses to some extent, a lot of talent there at the position. Like, you don't, you don't make that mistake of letting that go, in my opinion. That was one of the, the bigger mistakes. Um, you know, some people talk about Odell, whatever. That, to me, is more on Odell and i'll stand by that but i didn't like the brown situation but we don't have to go into that let's talk about another player actually though who kind of had a off- tricky offseason and as we transition to our discussion now about the secondary and that's the andre baker who's been placed on the commissioner's exemplist asked to not show up to training camp obviously there was all that hope that things were going to be all right with baker because his lawyer was firing away in the new york post with with giants beat writers in the post saying you know going to be all right it's a it's a bogus case blah 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 but as more facts starts unravel that became less and less sure and now he's not at camp and now he's not with the team and to me this is a big problem nick because i look at this depth chart and i know baker had a bad rookie season but as you said when you studied him on tape and i saw it too he did an excellent job of staying in phase he just seemed lost within james betcher's system that to me Scream someone who could have positive regression next season. That's me scream someone who could make a jump the next season as he moves, by the way, to a Patrick, um, I'm sorry, not, yeah, to a Patrick Graham defense that is going to be very man coverage heavy. What he does best, what he did best at Georgia, man coverage. It fit. Really well coming into his second season. He was training hard. He was fi- moving into a system that better fits him. They needed him on the boundary. He was going to have Bradbury on the other side, locking down on an island. He was going to have more safety help. Everything seemed to be working in place. I wrote him up in my early March column as one of my three biggest, three players who I think have the best chance to break out this season with the change in system. And now Commissioner and Exemplist, not at camp seems unlikely to me that he's going to play this season and that leaves us with a depth chart at boundary that is James Bradbury locked in we know that they're going to play a lot of one by three sets with him on the one side that's fine we like that that's good but then Sam Beal who didn't take the jump last year and has had injuries that kind of held him back and I want to talk to you more about Beal and what you've seen on tape Beal. and we're going to also behind him have maybe Corey Ballantyne who had to kind of transition his rookie season play a little slot which is not good for him it didn't fit his skill set and after those guys I mean You're looking at Montre Hartridge, who had some time with the Dolphins, maybe some system. I mean, Chris Williamson might be able to play for Minnesota. He's kind of played safety and corner. This is a six-round pick. Uh, It's really barren behind those two. Maybe, you know, I mean, maybe, and we're going to talk about this player because I have three positions I think this player could play. Julian Love, I don't know what's going to happen with Love this season. So we have, as we talk about the second, I want to talk about Love, but are you as worried as I am at, at the boundary
3: cornerback position? Oh, 100%. I mean I think the default player is going to be Sam Beal who will get the first shot but Sam Beal has not proven the fact that he can play at a consistent level in the NFL or even more importantly that he can stay on the field he's always injured I mean I remember when he's like 177 pounds he's like six foot one he has decent length but he's 177 pounds that's pretty frail so hopefully he bulked up a little bit and he can avoid getting injured but I think there's going to be a real competition between him and Corey Ballantyne because let's evaluate Ballantyne for a second somebody Coming out of a small school, Washburn went down the senior bowl. Was able to prove himself down there, and then the night he was drafted, he ends up uh, getting shot in the leg, and he misses most of training camp. It misses most of those off-season and that's not very elite, too. His
1: best friend, he had to watch die pull. in front of him. Like that yeah. is traumatizing as, as fuck. Like what yeah. are we think? Like, excuse my language. I know we're family-friendly podcast, but. I think it was well warranted in this regard. Like that's a serious like I don't I can't
3: relate to that and exactly. So the the mental the mental part of that, and then he has to go right into the NFL, pick up playbooks and get into the routine of the NFL, and he's already behind the eight ball because he missed all that time. And then he gets forced into a position in the slot because the Giants' slot position was such a liability last year that Grant Haley could not cover anything from the intermediate to the vertical game. That's not his natural position. At Washburn, he played boundary. That's what he's supposed to do. He has elite spark scores. His broad jump and his vertical jump are elite level, like 97th percentile kind of level. This guy can play boundary. He's long enough. He's like five foot eleven, so he's not like 6'2", or anything like that, but he has the arm length, and he has the athletic ability. I think uh, things that he struggled with last year in coverage was decisiveness. I feel like he would see the double move, and he would try to stay patient, and then once the guy cut, and once the guy was basically the wide receiver, was fully turned, that's when he reacted. So it was a decisiveness, more of a mental issue. I don't think it's an athletic issue with him. He's had some really athletic plays on tape. So I think Ballantyne's really interested, and he can legitimately win that job. With Beal, I haven't seen as much of that I think Beal had a really good game I want to say it was against Miami he had the safety came up and run support showed some physicality in that level but he's somebody else who I haven't seen him stay in phase as well as I would have liked to when it came to him playing on the boundary I think Ballantyne could be the answer there I think Beal's gonna get the first shot because he has the draft pedigree but I would not rule out Ballantyne and I wish he had a full offseason this year He doesn't, obviously, because of everything that's going on, but at least he's going to be more comfortable and up to speed given the fact that he's not dealing with the kind of terrible things that he had to deal with last offseason. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, BetOnline. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero dollars and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the call. Get me me on board with Team Ballantine over Team Beal for me because, yeah, Beal did an okay job, I thought, at Central Mish with mirror and match and he again looked good but again this is kind of like the valentine situation he wasn't playing at the highest level of competition obviously it wasn't washburn but you know he's not matching up against nfl receivers week in and week out so give me team valentine here who had to deal with changing positions mid rookie season after going through what he went through in the offseason like you said super athletic and held his own against some of the best receivers in college football at the senior bowl the best of the best seniors so i I'm gonna give the edge there, but one more guy we should talk about, kind of you know above the the you know the the Montre Hartridge and those type of guys is rookie Darnay Holmes. We think about him as a slot guy because he's obviously five foot nine, but this guy is a guy who was a five-star recruit, the number one cornerback recruit, and has played boundary for his entire collegiate career and has played it really well. Now there are some potential major red flags. In addition to the height, it's the arm length. Under sub thirty-inch arm length, you don't see that on the boundary, but having said that this is a guy who's done really well on the boundary in every level high school and in the pac 12 do you think there's a chance he can kind of work we all expect him to project as like this potential starter in nickel but is there a chance that he could actually be on the flip side of of uh james bradbury
3: as that as a number two i mean i wouldn't fully rule it out just because there's no clear cut but he would be a distant maybe even fourth behind somebody else we're going to talk about a little bit later but i wouldn't fully rule it out because he played Pac-12 football he played boundary at Pac-12 football was the number one cornerback for UCLA for two years out there and a lot of people point at his height I think his height it, it brings concern but more so like you alluded to it's the arm length because you have guys like Brent Grimes who were smaller than him but he played boundary alter ultra on Verner played boundary there there's a lot of uh smaller cornerbacks of kind of Kareem Jackson is a smaller cornerback now he's transitioned to safety who made a living playing boundary but all their arm length, and I've checked this before because I wrote an article about it for Sports Illustrated, they were much longer than Darnay Holmes, who was at 29 and a half. Now, that's that's pretty bad. Now, I could imagine you trying to line up against, say, Calvin Ridley if if they were able to put James Bradbury against Julio Jones. it's it just... Mm-hmm. It, it it doesn't really give you a warm and fuzzy, and that's Calvin Ridley's like six foot one. So yeah. could you imagine going up against someone like Julio, who's six foot four, or Kenny Galladay? Yeah. You can just go through the receivers. So that's definitely right. something that makes me hesitant. I do think he's going to be more uh, fit. Uh, he's definitely more fit for the nickel position, but I wouldn't fully rule it out just because the Giants didn't plan to lose DeAndre Baker this offseason. They went in saying we have DeAndre Baker. We signed James Bradbury, That's great, and now we have a lot of depth at the secondary. And now you, it's not because of injury. It's because of a lot of things off the field and now he's gone so now you have to choose between Beal someone who's proven not to be able to be on the field Ballantyne who hasn't had a regular offseason yet but hopefully he can put it all together now and there's another player we're going to talk about here in a bit and then you have Darnay Holmes who did it in a power five conference
1: yeah I mean let's talk let's let's get into that now because I think the story the general theme of this giant secondary as they move forward with Patrick Graham is versatility and we expect graham to use a ton of these three safety looks where maybe they don't need an extra corner on the field and things are going to look a little different and like obviously it's not going to be every snap when they're in nickel but maybe more so in other teams but with that in mind players are going to be used in versatile roles as well and not only you know at that edge position and at linebacker at the second level also in the secondary so how about a guy like julian love entering his second year a guy who some projected it would be a slot last year but the Giants instead tried to kind of move him to safety and he played really well at safety and I'm curious if he kind of plays more nickel safety role I don't know but at the same time you look back at his Notre Dame tape and this is the guy who's playing the boundary and he was playing the boundary really well and I guess maybe the Giants felt like they had so much depth there last year after drafting Baker and with Beale returning and Janoris Jenkins obviously in the mix that they felt like they had the flexibility to try to move him to safety i mean at the time really you looked at that safety position and it was a 38 year old anton pathea and they're looking looking at that probably being like we need a backup plan we need to start moving someone in that direction and love has a skill set we believe can translate there but do they flip him back now do they say okay baker's out of the mix we need another boundary or do they say I don't know about Darnay Holmes right now in the slot. Do we try to move him to the slot? I don't really know what's going to happen with Love. My question to you is, is there a reason beyond that they just wanted to put more depth and have a backup plan at safety, that they kind of moved him off the boundary last year? Or do you think he can kind of work back toward
3: playing the boundary and competing to to be in maybe the number two this year? Let's think about it, man. James Betcher isn't there anymore. That coaching staff is the coaching staff that obviously moved him away from being a boundary corner. Now Gettleman, you know, provides the groceries, but the coaching staff is going to be the ones that are cooking. So Patrick Graham can look at him and be like, I can really utilize, I'm sure he's watched this tape from Notre Dame, I can really utilize his skill set on the boundary. And be like, yeah, like we talked about the three safety look, I think it's going to be a big part of this defense, but we shouldn't totally rule out the fact that there was this anomaly, like DeAndre Baker getting into trouble, now he's gone, that maybe you take Julian Love and then you adapt your safeties in another way. You take Julian Love and you move him to the boundary. And that is something that... might be on the table. I don't really hear a lot of people in Giants Nation talking about it, but I do think it is something that is going to be on the table. I think a lot of things are going to be on the table, and I do think it's going to be a real competition here. And I know Joe Judge does the whole coach speak. Oh, we're going to be competing, but when it comes to these these pieces where there's not a lot of clarity, it's going to be a true competition. And I guarantee Julian Love is going to see reps in practice at safety, and he's definitely going to see reps at boundary corner. And if he is significantly better. Then the other options, I don't see why they wouldn't. And then they would have to adapt their other plans to that. And maybe even someone like Montre Hardage, who knows Patrick Graham's system, would make the team be a core special teams player. And then maybe figure to be in that three safety rotation role. And then you utilize Love and then Ballantyne and Beal, they can duke it out for the backup boundary role
1: that's interesting
3: yeah it's it, there's a lot to think about with the secondary there's so many moving pieces there's
1: players who might fit in different roles. like let's talk about the slot right now because Grant Haley's still in the mix we don't want him starting we both believe the Corey Valentine and the slot uh, experiment was a disaster we hope that doesn't continue but then you know I've talked all season I think Darnay Holmes will be the day one slot corner there I just don't I see the transition being smooth but Love could be in the mix there too, like easily could be in the mix there. And how about um, Drayvon Askew Henry from the XFL? Like this is a guy
3: who who showed a little bit. I know, I know you're hesitant on, on him. I, I, why, why are you hesitant on him? I'm not necessarily hesitant on. I, I'm not sure if he's going to make the team, you even make but, the roster. Yeah, but again, he probably doesn't have much. If the they do it. view Love on the boundary, you bring him in. That's somebody who is a hybrid defender, right. has a little bit of cornerback experience, has safety experience, physical. He's things. a physical player. He likes to throw the yellow flag back at the refs. I mean, he's a lot, a lot of things going on. He's got Dallas Cowboy written all over him too. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. The, the
1: secondary is really like a lot of young pieces. They've been drafted over the past one to three drafts, um, and then and then a big free agent signing and we'll see what happens and how it shakes out. But I have some guarded optimism, but I'm I'm definitely a little worried about the depth at boundary and, you know, if my exper- my expectation for Holmes doesn't happen right away, with him being this like pretty much i think he's going to be an average to above average slot corner right away off the bat that's just how i feel watching him I'm, i know i'm a little higher than him on you because i kind of throw out the 2019 tape which wasn't as good because he was playing through that high ankle sprain but i know you don't want to throw it out which i get and he's never played the position so that's obviously a concern but he's an I athlete ast- though i he's an athlete and i just i just love his skill set i just think he was a freaking steal i, I i'm going to you know i'm going to i'm going to die on that hill i i love the pick i remember after the draft when i was grading the giants i had him it's like a or A minus, and my either my highest or it's probably my second highest grade after McKinney, obviously. And people on Twitter are like, "Really, Holmes? Like this was? I thought this was the worst pick." And I was like, "Not me, not me. I don't. I'm the opposite of that."
3: Yeah, I was a little bit lower on him because of the 2019 tape, but I'm not going to dispute the fact that he's an athlete, and I do think he can transition well to the slot. My one thing with Darnay Holmes, and I think the Giants are going to play matchups. What you do in football, a lot. I think Darnay Holmes is going to play that slot position against teams that utilize smaller slot yeah, like an receivers. Edelman, Edelman right, right. Uh, if they put Terry McLaurin sure. in the slot, which is something that he did well for the Washington football team. and But I think when you play big slot teams teams that use Zach Ertz in the slot I All think right. you're gonna see a lot more Julian Love Xavier McKinney, McKinney yeah. dropping down into that slot especially when they run a lot of man coverage I think Jabril Peppers is gonna be the dollar kind of linebacker possibly uh you know and then when they're nickel he's gonna be that alley defender coming down from a two high kind of set or you know a one high offset uh, like cover one robber look pre-snap so I I think they're gonna there's not gonna be a one true this is what Darnay Holmes is he's the slot uh defender but they're going to just facilitate and rotate these guys in and out depending on the matchup. I think it's going to be a really hectic time on the sideline for Patrick Graham and that defense when they look over and they're like, well, what's the package? What's the personnel? What's the personnel? It's 11 personnel. It's 11 personnel. Is it a big? Oh, it's a big. It's a big. Put in Xavier McKinney. You know, something along those lines. Though,
1: actually, I don't see McKinney coming off the field that often in general. Yeah, I think true. he's going to play so many roles in this defense. Let's let's transition there. Let's talk about the safeties, Nick, because as I scope this entire roster as we've done this through our series, I think I'm confident in saying Giants fans should be maybe more excited about the safety position right now than almost any position on this roster. They have two super young, super talented players there in Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney. I know we didn't get to see the full potential preppers due to the injuries last season but if you watch the games he was healthy for in a terrible defensive system that was not working that the secondary was not on the same page for that he was playing in for the first time He was awesome. I thought he was super physical around the line of scrimmage. He made a a, a few just unbelievable plays in coverage as well. You look at that Redskins game where he made that pick six and he jumped that route. And he is a player who I think can really improve as he moves forward with this defense. And then you have Xavier McKinney, who I think is bang, plug and play. First round talent that they nailed in the second round. Not only first round talent, but someone who literally perfectly fits what they're going to do on defense. I mean, this is the... These safety chesspies. He beat thirty, you know, a third of his snaps in the box, a third of his snaps in the slot, a third of his snaps in the deep half, in a Nick Saban defense, which obviously draws some obvious similarities to what the Giants are going to hopefully do. He is smart up there he was the quarterback of that defense so I'm super excited about McKinney I'm super excited about Peppers I'm way not off the Peppers bandwagon I've liked Peppers since the trade because he had a really really good season for the Browns that people didn't talk about the year before they traded for him after after they stopped using him 30 yards off the ball and yeah he got injured last year but before the injury man he was their best alley defender he was physical around the line of scrimmage he was way better uh, covering slots than Landon Collins ever was and obviously he's not a lead at that but he was way better and he made some plays in coverage as well so I'm big on this safety tandem and I don't think they're going to come off the field much and I think they're going to be a big reason if the
3: Giants defense takes a step forward it fits perfectly into the mismatching uh trying to match with the offensive the versatile offensive players that we're seeing in the uh, current NFL structure and they just keep bringing in you know, bigger receivers who are faster, tight ends who are faster. You got guys like George Kittle. You got all these incredible athletes. You need to be able to cover them, and your base personnel can become nickel personnel, which is something that we see a lot in the NFL. You're like seventy percent of the snaps are nickel. When you can do that and not, and it doesn't impede your run defense. When you have players who can play the run, like McKinney, like Love, who definitely showed an ability to play the run. I mean, that guy was a boundary corner in college, like we said. He played the run in the box at an exceptional level and did a really good job taking angles to the ball carrier. And then Peppers, who was physical at the point of attack, that's going to really assist your your defense in, in in matching up. And it's going to really just allow you to do so many different things from a coverage standpoint while not leaving yourself vulnerable to the run.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And how about, you know, here's a player who I'm intrigued by. I want to see what you think because he obviously played limited snaps, but he was somebody who I wrote up a bunch when I was with 24-7 Sports. He was just one of my favorite stories. Sean Chandler, undrafted guy at a temple, super tough guy, crazy background story, you know, coming up homeless and just making his way to the NFL. I feel like I've seen some decent spurts of him when he's gotten a chance with the Giants. Do you think they have anything there? Do you think he's a guy who can factor in a little bit as they use
3: these defensive
1: looks with more nickel and not only more nickel, but more safeties on the field?
3: I think if injuries happen, he'll find his way onto the defense, but I think he's going to make the initial roster because he's an underrated special special teams ace. And... I'm excited about this and it's not sexy. Yeah, but... Ebner? No, no. Nate Ebner, yes. But you have Cody Core. This you special have... teams is going to yes. be loaded. With yeah. McGay, like yeah. with a guy
1: who's literally produced top seven special teams three years in a row and Thomas McGay, one of arguably one of the best coaches the Giants have just based on the fact that he literally is one of the best special teams coaches in the NFL. I don't know if you can say that about any other position coach they have right now. And they got talent and coaching there. This is going to be a great special teams unit. It has been now for two years running. Yes, and
3: I know the Giants lost Antonio Hamilton, and that doesn't seem like a big yeah, loss. But Antonio is. Hamilton was probably the second best special teamer on the Giants mm-hmm. last year behind Cody Core. So I, you know, I always say, man, you got to try to pay attention to the the movements of those non sexy pieces of your roster, like special teams, because that's field position, and that's a gigantic that can literally win you win or lose you. Yeah, games. you want to know a team who's a team who's paid close attention to special teams? For the last decade
1: as they run through the NFL winning game after game. New England Patriots, yes. who guess who was run
3: by for some of those years? Joe Judge yes. running that special team. But so think, think about the Patriots. How many roster spots did they dedicate strictly to crazy. special teams? Brandon Bolden, Nate Ebner, yep. who's now a Giant, and obviously Matthew Slater. He's a wide receiver, but you're not yeah, they're not, wide not using him.
1: Bolden, they, Bolden <laughs> got a couple of the dumb goal line. Like he's, He would kill fantasy owners when he would steal his touchdown or two. I guess that was Belichick giving him a nod here. You bust your ass on special teams. I'll give you a touchdown or two, but Slater, Slater wasn't getting you know on the field much on offense.
3: So when you look at the specials here, you got Core, you got Sean Chandler, and that's why he's gonna make the team and if and you got Everton, obviously. Yeah. So if big signing for the special teams, Nate Everner. If, if there's a injury to one of the big three safeties, I think Sean Chandler could get a spot. Now I don't really I can't really speak too much to his skill set. I haven't watched as much film as I probably should have on Sean Chandler, but I do feel like he is somebody who can definitely work into the rotation if injuries. Do and when happen. you say big three safeties, you're including love in that, you're protecting him. Yeah. yeah, I think
1: yeah. that's fair. I think, gun to my head, I'm putting Love at, as one of these big safeties for this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, like like we said, he could definitely end up on the boundary, and I, w- I wouldn't put it past him. And he can head. match up in the slot, too. And he can match up in the slot. There's a lot. I, I include slot as the safety, a safety. At, okay. at this point because it, safety is like, everyone thinks safety, you think of it like, oh, a single high or you're a box safety. I think safety is much more diverse than that. Yeah, And it allows you, like I said before, to – really utilize your personnel in a unique way to where you're not going to be vulnerable if these safeties can fit the run and if they can be forced defenders and if they can do all these things to kind of uh, maintain the continuity of the defense i mean we just saw a quote-unquote and i hate saying this because he's not this but people pigeonhole him as just a box safety get traded for two first round picks a third and and the and, uh, Bradley McDougal, uh, Bradley McDougal in, with Jamal Adams. And, yeah, box safety, I get it. But he, the, he's going to allow Seattle to do so many different things. Now, I think it was – I would not have made that trade, but there's no doubt that adding him allows them to do so many different things and they are going to try to really win in the window right now. And let's be honest, Seattle can't draft first round anyway. Yeah, they gave up a lot, and, like, normally I hate that. It was
1: just – but, like – jamal adams is so much more than a box safety like so so much more he's the reason that the jets defense should have been one of the worst in the nfl last year if you look at the talent on that defense they didn't have a single decent edge they had a media middling interior line with a lot of high picks but not a lot of production and then they had pretty much nothing at corner just absolutely some of the worst corner starting in the nfl but they had two safeties who played well and mostly just jamal adams taking over games at times he's mess with Daniel Jones really bad in that game and I know Jones ended up throwing for 300 plus in that game he he really turned it on but the Adams made the biggest play in that game when he took the ball away from him and that and that, that's the reason the Giants lost that game. and he literally did it twice it's just yeah. the one time Saquon was Luckily, able to get. yeah so so again that and that kind of you know it, safety this the position right now it's so important and I'm so happy the Giants have talent there
3: yeah it's it's vital to the current NFL. I mean look what adding a safety like, and this is not to go back to Jamal Adams point but the Kansas City Chiefs added Tyron Matthew, and that literally changed oh, the yeah. the entire defense. And that defense already had talented players like Chris Jones on the front line, and and players like that. But you add Tyron Matthew, and it just kind of changed the defense. And now with the Giants, I mean, I thought I think adding Xavier McKinney. Obviously, he's not Tyron Matthew because he's a rookie, but he can have that impact in the future. He is that kind of player. He is cerebral. He is physical. He can play man coverage. Yes. and it's it's something that definitely. Uh, we could look back on in like four years and be like, "Wow, dude, we have to re-sign this guy. This is this this is it right here." But sadly, he's doesn't he's not gonna have that fifth year option, right? But taking that a step further, we talked about
1: how football is now such a matchups game, and we talked about how on the last podcast we talked about how NFL coaches have at this point understood that the easiest way to move the ball via the air is via the slot. It's the easiest, most efficient pass. And with that said, the Giants now for the first time in years, years, and because I can't remember have different players with strong talent uh, with a lot of talent and different skill sets that can match up against different players in the slot you got a big slot well maybe you throw mckinney there or maybe you throw julian love there you got a skinny slot maybe you you throw in darnay Holmes for the edelman types and you know what peppers can match up against some of these slots you have four different players who might be able to match up depending on who they put in the slot for those easy completions and that's going to give them a much better chance the giants have been burned in the slots and seams for years and they finally have talent now the talent needs to be realized, obviously. That has to work with the coaching, with the system, and everyone has to get on the same page. But they finally actually have a lot of talent to defend the slot and defend the seams, and they haven't had that in a long time, and that's been a big Achilles heel for this defense for a long time. So I'm finally starting to feel some optimism about them potentially taking that away from opposing offenses.
3: Not to mention just this defensive system is much more simplified, and I don't mean simplified Thank in, God. In, a, in a negative light. No, it's not in a bad. positive it's light. A positive I mean,
1: positive. come on, Betcher. Like, I loved Betcher coming in, but... A lot of that probably had to do with the fact they had a lot of talent in Arizona. Not even just
3: that. Let's and, be honest. And, no, definitely that, actually. But not even just that. <laughs> I also think, and I also think Betcher's system would have worked in the last CBA when yeah. players could practice yeah, yeah. a lot more. So I do think it is a cerebral thing, and they're not getting as much reps, and maybe the players aren't analyzing their playbooks as much in their off time. I mean, we, we heard about certain players on the Giants falling asleep in meeting rooms, and in. The, the new CBA that the that the NFL signed, like every second, every minute, needs to be so valuable. And how
1: many times did you talk about when we did our tape review, Nick? How many times did you specifically mention that when he was at, when it was flashing, when it was at its best, Betcher's defense was awesome. He completely fooled offensive coordinators. One to, you know, he had a handful of plays yeah. over the course of a season where he's at the peak. He's fooling defensive, but. Guess what? That's a handful of plays, yeah. and a handful of plays is not as good. It's not going to help you win football games. Yeah, it's flashy. It looks good. You look at it on tape, and you're like, "That was creative." Betcher figured it out. Betcher fooled him. But then the next play, it's third and seventeen, and he's giving up a fifty-seven-yard bomb, Matthew Stafford, to whoever was the slot vert, and it's just like the
3: the, the safety is nowhere near the ball, and it's like, "What happened here?" And that's what a thirty-eight-year-old like Antoine Bethea. You're right, too. and, and <laughs> like the re- the there's path. a reason. There's a reason he had to because he was smart and he knew the system. He you, yes. he was in the system in Arizona and now it's a totally different more simplified system and you have young guys who are going to be able to execute this and I do want to throw in another name who might make this team I'm not 100% confident on it but I do think Chris Williamson could, could yeah. figure to be I'm a slot defender here because he's Long. somebody yeah he's a longer kind of player but he was went to the University of Florida suffered an injury and just it never panned out didn't play much or I didn't think he played at all in his freshman or his sophomore year and he ended up transferring to to uh, minnesota and was a golden Gopher. and his first year with the Gophers, with pj fleck rowing the boat up there in minnesota he was a boundary corner and it wasn't that great but then last year he moved into the slot and played a much more dominant role in the slot and he was a part of that that team that was undefeated for how long and he was a pretty good defender and he didn't really get a lot of love he didn't get invited down to the senior bowl and you didn't really hear much about him but he does have a little bit of versatility and he was able to he, he was able to show that he could play in the slot in at least one year in the Big Ten. Now, maybe he can build on that. So you can bring him in, and hopefully in these practices, he can prove that he can build on it and maybe earn a roster spot. But if it is, it's going to be one of the last roster spots.
1: Nick, I don't want to say your thunder. You provided some excellent a- analysis on, on Williamson. I don't want to go too far off track. But it absolutely pains me the way you talk about the Minnesota Gopher, the Golden Gophers, row your boat, row undefeated the boat. season. Undefeated season came to an end when Wisconsin whooped their butts <laughs> in Minnesota at home you were at home you do i want to call you into you because we just are you you (laughs) want to be associated with this crap team like good luck and and i apologize joe fine love you my 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 cousin my cousin rachel's husband but guess what (laughs) Safety school, Minnesota Gophers. Get the hell out of here with this crap. Don't, you got
3: nothing on the Badgers. I you know, that it's like a little man syndrome or something, man. Why <laughs> it why really, <laughs> it really is like a little man syndrome? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like you could talk good about the gophers no, and, I can't and also. Talk good talk, about the gophers. I I'm, I'm good not i I'm not a gophers fan just for everybody's uh, I used to uh, cover the team for right. one season. And uh, but look out for Rashad Bateman this year though because that oh, that, yeah. that kid can ball. He's gonna be he yeah. a first round pick. I think I would imagine there's right. a lot of receivers
1: though there's this so year that are rec- gonna be It's yeah. another stacked receiver class. It is, and
3: that's another reason why I look at what Gettleman did, and I was like, I it's smart to get Austin Mack, Benjamin Victor, Derek Dylan, and Undrafted Free Agency. Don't burn any of your assets and utilize it. I think he did that well. Next year they're gonna they're gonna have a shot in that second and third and, round and, range. And gets and a ton of talent. Bateman might not even be a top five. Guy. Like and that's like the insane that's thing. How insane the yeah.
1: class is the receiver class. This was supposed to be in a historic receiver class and it very well might be and next year's actually could be even better which is crazy to think you got about
3: those alabama guys you got jamar Two chase guys, yeah. you Got one in purdue i think one oh of i love fours. the kid in purdue
1: yeah ron moore yeah Whew. Rondell moore oh my god with daniel jones i could see a fit there <laughs> Woo, i would love daniel jones to throw the ball to him get it in the get it because i still think you know as we move forward, we we talk all about this, you know, vertical based offense with Jason Garrett Daniel Jones. It's still gonna it's gonna have to be a lot of quick game stuff because that's what Daniel Jones is best at, and you cannot you have to fit your system around your quarterback skill set. So I got to put a guy like Rondo Ron, Rondell Moore there. Whew.
3: There's a, yeah the next year's receiver we'll we'll be covering it yeah ex- extensively let's hope we have a college football season to watch some yeah 2020. Let's hope we have an NFL season God's sake yeah for sure man but yeah no uh I'm I'm excited about the secondary I think the defensive line to me is is the best unit as a yeah. whole uh talk about the big defensive linemen, not including the edge guys but when you factor in the flash factor. You look at the safeties and you're like, you know what? they're. Uh, I'm really glad to have these guys because of yeah. the linemen aren't as sexy, but man, they are necessary. And you know, you know me, man, I love me some Dalvin Tomlinson, yeah. dude.
1: Yep. All right, Nick. Anything else in the secondary or you want to wrap up?
3: No, I think we're good. I think we covered a lot of good things. I'm just looking forward to these practices that yeah, should me be too. happening. Yeah, I can't in the next wait to,
1: bra- to see practice so we can get depth chart moving. We can start to talk to you about in-depth stuff about the actual game of football. We'll get there, folks. Don't worry. Stick with us on the Big Blue Banter podcast one final shout out remember if you can do us a favor log on to iTunes make sure every podcast you listen to you hit the download button subscribe give us a review and a rating we would really appreciate it and also if you can check out our Instagram page uh, it's big blue ba- it's NY big blue banter on Instagram and this is an excellent page. It's going to keep you up to date with all of our podcasts, clips from the show, any news breaking. It's just a great thing to have on your feed. Nick, you want to throw anything out? I know you got something new in the, in the works.
3: Yeah, so everybody, look up on podcasts if you want some supplemental podcast information. It's not going to be about the Giants, but I'm a big fantasy football guy. And I also obviously follow the NFL. So... For Big Blue View, just type in Big Blue View into your podcast. It's the site that most of you guys know as the SB Nation affiliate Giants site. If you type in Big Blue View. There's a podcast stream, and I'm going to be having two shows, one episode per week. Uh, the NFL show is going to be called the Filato One Football, and that is going to drop every Monday, and then every Friday, it's going to be Filato's Fantasy Corner, where I'll be diving into fantasy football, and it's been a huge passion of mine. So I'm really excited about this opportunity that SB Nation has extended to me. So if you guys could go over there, download, listen, and uh, it's going to going to be a lot of fun. Just me uh, pontificating my football passion to all of you lovely people. So thank you.
1: All right, everyone. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.
2: When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no brainers.